We were midshifts before Canada was a Canada. And we were midshifts on the prairies when we were hunting buffalo. We were midshifts and we flew that flag, I'm proud to say, in 1816 at the Battle of Seven Oaks when we start fighting for our rights. I'm very proud to be a midshift and my grandmother always said to us, be proud. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Keep your heads high. That's Norman Fleury, our guest today on Pekioke, the Métis Culture Podcast brought to you by Canadian Geographic and the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan. Welcome, Pitigwe Tanshikia. I'm Leah Marie Dorian. I'm a Métis artist and writer living near Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. And the host of Pikiuke. Pikiuke means come and visit, and on this series we invite you to join us as we go on a journey, exploring our rich Michif language and Métis culture. Tanshe. Tanshe. Pikiuke. Rababoo. Over 10 episodes, we travel to Métis communities all over Saskatchewan, talking with Michif elders, educators, artists, and cultural leaders, and learning about what they are doing to keep the Michif language and culture vibrant and alive for future generations. Masi, enjoy! On this episode of Pekiuke, we are exploring the Michif language and why it is crucial to keep it as a living language. Our guest is Norman Fleury. He is the leading Michif language scholar, teaches at the University of Saskatchewan, and is the author of the Michif Dictionary, published by the Gabriel Dumont Institute. I'd like to welcome Norman Fleury. Norman, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm so grateful you're with us, Norman. Can you tell our listeners about the origins of Michif language and where it began? Okay. Norman Fleury and Dishnikashwan, and Machifnia, Limachif Bigshwan, Nixigagi Pesh Taogian. Hello, Tanshikiawal, Norman Fleury is my name. I'm a Machif and speak Machif, and this is how I was uh, raised in an oral culture for about seven generations. And the connection was continually Machif, and everything was in Machif. When we talk about the Michif, we're first and foremost also a nationality. We're Michif, and our language is Michif. It's no different than if you're English and you speak English or French and speak French. So you relate your nationality with your language. The language Michif was born with a new people developing their own language, their own customs, their own history, their own stories their own legends, their own music, which are make up of voyageur songs and also songs that the Michif nation made for themselves or ourselves. And it's an oral culture that's never been a written culture. So as I sit here, I have to think back of those stories that I was born and raised with. That's the connection. That you can't make a reference to any file, but your own personal file, which is built in your mind, your heart, and your soul. But the Michif language is something that we never, ever asked anybody about who we are, where do we come from, because we knew our foundation and our existence until people started to become interested in us, as specifically the linguists. And one person that I make positive reference to, uh, a linguist that was researching the Michif people, but specifically the language. His name is Peter Bakker, born and raised in the Netherlands, a young Dutchman who was doing his PhD and heard about this language that was a living language with a people not realizing the makeup of the language. It's never, ever been done anywhere in the world that two family groups come together to make one family group a language. So when he came to this country, and he also went to the United States, because that's where our family and relatives, the 49th parallel was never there. We never put that there. 
So when we had these wintering camps and we went on hunting expeditions, hunting buffalo, sometimes people would stay in one place for the winter. Les Hivernats, those were the wintering camps. And, and communities were born and remained in some of those locations because it was central to a survival hunting. It was also central to your family. And family is number one. And we are one big family, the Mitchell family. It was originally started in the Red River around St. Francis Xavier, those communities of uh, St. Norbert and uh, St. Eustache, St. Laurent, St. Ambroise, and around St. Vital and uh, St. Boniface. The Michif were people that spoke many languages. We had to because our relatives spoke different languages. So we connected with our grandmothers, with their mother tongues. So if you visited grandma that was French, then you spoke French. If you visited grandma that spoke Cree, you spoke Cree. But this language specifically that the researchers or the linguists were very interested in, like Peter Bacher, but before Peter Bacher, there was also a beginning that's in Belcourt, North Dakota, where we have relatives, St. John, Rolla, Dunseeth, and those areas where the Michifs lived. They decided because they have a college, they run their own education system. They identified with the Turtle Mountain, Chippewa, Cree, Michif, because you're not recognized as Métis or Michif in the United States. You're recognized as First Nations only. So they had to work around that. And two ladies by the name of Patlin Lavardure and Ida Rose Allard with a, a linguist, John Crawford, they attempted and made one of the best midshift dictionaries in the world. They had, from A to Z, they developed a map of, of, of our language, and there was culture in the, the dictionary. There are customs, the definition of those words in, in phrases. And those phrases told stories in the Michif language. So in 1985, there was a conference put on by Paul Chartrand and the Manitoba Métis Federation. And a lot of people came to gather because nobody's ever asked questions about who are we, where do we come from? We knew. We didn't have to have those questions asked. But when the people came together, they realized at that conference that there were variations of languages that the Métis spoke. And that's like in Manitoba, you have Soto and you have Cree and you have uh, French and, and you have Michif. And we can't forget that 9% of us today speak English. So is that a Métis language? Exactly, Norman. Yeah. Where are we today? Where are we today yeah. and where we came from? So Peter Bacher came and he researched this. So he went and lived with the Crees in Prince Albert because it's, yeah. he heard his French and Cree. So he was adopted by a Cree family in Prince Albert. You know, Norman, I live right here in Prince Albert, actually, and I met Peter Bacher years ago at the Prince Albert Métis Fall Festival, and I had to laugh. He was the most out-of-place person at the event. <laughs> and I, I was saying, you know, I saw this strange little man walk in with two kids, and I just had to go introduce myself. And Norman, yeah. it was Peter Bacher in Prince Albert, <laughs> Saskatchewan. <laughs> Isn't he a great person, A dear though? human being, a, a fantastic person. Because he person. could adapt himself and apply and get involved in the community. That's why he was adopted by a Cree family. And, and then he went to uh, First Nations communities because he wanted to see what dialect or, 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 or what accents or like the Crees, he got to learn that there's there's Plains Cree, there's Northern Cree, there's Swampic Cree. You have the N dialect, the Y dialect, the TH dialect. So he, then he realized that our language was built from the Plains Cree and we use the Y dialect. 
Absolutely. And Norman, I just amazed at the work you did with Gabriel Dumont to make your Heritage Machif Dictionary. I'm sure people are curious about that story. <laughs> I will tell that story. Thank you, Leah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're reminding me of, of things which uh, there's so much to talk about. I'm so overwhelmed, you know, and it's true. to tell the story and we have to like we have to paste it together we and do. we have to bring it together and have an appreciation for it. Because sometimes in our lives, we let little things, little innuendos get in our way and we shouldn't do that. We should be respecting our families, our children and our grandchildren that never had that same chance as I had to grow up, born and raised in the Michif language. When my mother was carrying me, I heard the language in her womb. When my grandmother delivered me, she delivered me in Michif, not any other language. When Peter Bacher came, we didn't have a clue about our language, the makeup of the language. As a matter of fact, he said, you know, the nouns and associated grammar are in French, and the verbs and associated grammar are in Cree, with borrowed English words because we really never standardize it. And we we didn't have words for telephone, computer, radio. That's right. Yeah. So we had also those English board words. But the Michif also has influence of some pseudo. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. And not only, but th- that makes reason because all Cree pseudo languages, Algonquin languages. That's why we have similarities because we're from the Algonquin language. Mm -hmm. It's no different than the the Sioux one, which is is Dakota, Lakota, Nakota. There are differences, but there are more commonalities. So that's what makes you who you are is that bit of that difference. There's solidarity in both the differences. Well, what you compare yourself with other nations, because we're related. That's why we're... We are. Yeah, because in the Cinnaboyne through that Iron Alliance of 1821, we've been intermarried for years and years. Those are our families. So there there is some Cinnaboyne influence there are some languages there's some customs we didn't have to know that because our language was so wholesome it was so distinct you know it's the same mm-hmm. thing as when you listen to the music that that's is right. that's language it is and the songs you know so anyways once we got ourselves organized and peter helped us he did yes he did and and, and john crawford Mm-hmm. And that 1985 conference, people came together and said, oh, I'm related to you. We're related. I'm from the States, but I have relatives in St. Lazar and San Clara, Boggy Creek. And I have relatives in Montana. The Flurries used to go back and forth with Dumont. And mm-hmm. So we, we were all connected somehow. And that's why as us Métis people will always find an honor of being related to each other, regardless if you're the 10th cousin. There's no such thing with us. If you're a cousin, you're a cousin, That's and you're always our family. So when we got organized, we realized, we said, oh, we're told that we have a 1,000 speakers or less, you know, so we have to do something about So what are we going to do? So we said, well, let's start organizing. So the Louis Riel Institute was formed through the Manitoba Métis Federation. We've done, the first ever dictionary was done when I worked with the Manitoba Métis Federation, the Louis Riel Institute. That was the first ever dictionary that was made in Canada. I have a copy, Norman. (laughs) And a gentleman who was a member, but he was also an an associate member of the Manitoba Métis Federation, Laurie Barkwell, the late Laurie Barkwell. He was my technician. And we did this midshift dictionary and we did a little bit on medicines. We did a little bit on the history. We did a little bit on the legends. We we try to capture everything. So we're still trying to do that today. So as we developed and the Gabriel Dumont Institute, who just celebrated 40 years anniversary. That's right. Oh, my goodness. And uh, having all these teachers and having these different management programs. And it was part of development. But 
Then they, the mandate was, the original mandate was to, to revitalize, promote, and protect language. And that's so important because as soon as you say we're sovereign, but you don't have a language, where's your distinction? That's right. So, yeah. so we started to develop things like with uh, David Morin, who was my technician, and that's I worked right. with him for many years. That's right. We developed a 15, no, let, pardon me, 11,500 word dictionary. That's amazing. And wow. the only thing, it's like the uh, Turtle Mountain Chippewa Cree Mitchell Dictionary. If you don't know the language, then you don't have the idea of pronunciation and pronouncing the words if you don't know Mitchell. So then we started to develop like yourself and uh, Wolf Burton and Angie, Karen, developing township books and you develop your children's story books and the giving tree. Yes, that's right. And the road allowance people and the children's stories, but they have an accompaniment of a CD. Yes, and the narration, Norman, that you did is and translation work has just been such a contribution <laughs> to our children in the community. I have to acknowledge that work you've done. It's a lot of work to translate. Is that what how does it feel to carry that responsibility? I'm like how do you manage that? That's a big, big burden. <laughs> well, that kind of a a question is not really hard to answer. But I'll tell you, when you're born and raised with something like your language, and, and if I told, my mom lived long enough to see my work, even though she doesn't read or write, but she knew, oh, my little boy's making books. But she didn't know, okay, why in my dictionary? What is that mm-hmm. a dictionary, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's, and that's one of the biggest problems we have today. We have to learn to mitchifize, not anglicize. That's what's so important. We have to lead the stories in our language. We have to use our language. And we have to ask the questions about what does this mean in mitchif, not what it means in English. Because there's no association culturally, linguistically with the English language. So you have to think in a, in a language. Your heart has to be connected with it. But because our children go to schools and there's no curriculum for us in those schools, we don't have our own institutions, then we're saying we have to be able to have our own places, our own own home places where we can say, well, I'm going to my office or I'm going to my school. I'm going to the place where Mitchif is taught in my home or in my office mm-hmm. or in my workplace or in our schools. And the little kids, they go to their own school. That's where Mitchif is taught. So the little kids will find a grounding place for themselves. We go to our own school. We have our own flag. We have our own stories. We have our own history. We have our own songs. We have our own legends. We have our own mythology. We have our own history. Those kind of things. We knew we had it all, but we could not fit into the system. And we weren't allowed to to be in that system. Because I know I went to school where... They didn't care if we existed or not. I and I'm, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to apologize either. Yeah. No, because we have to tell the truth. So today we have a big job of telling our stories because we didn't have to define ourselves. Now we define ourselves through our history, our stories, and it seems like we. It's. I'm tired of asking permission to tell my story. We have to have that freedom to tell that story. And we're doing it like through you, through we are. so many people, through our institutions. We The only institutions we have is the Gabriel Dumont Institute and the Luriel Institute in Manitoba. That's all we have. That's what we got. And you our know? families, eh? And our families. And our families. Yeah. Our but families. Peter Bakker, he started little in- institutions in different places like Prince Albert, 
like, you know, it, within uh, uh, the elders, the speakers, he lived with them in Tamperville mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he went to different places like St. Lazar and he interviewed people in the Coppell Valley and Labrette and different places. So he connected with what where the Mitchell people lived and he went uh, north to do research and he did the Maiti communities. And they loved him, hey Norman? Like the old people just absolutely welcomed him into our family system. You know, that's the Métis way. Yeah, and as soon as uh, somebody visits you and they say, Tanshe, mm-hmm. oh, you know, what's your name? Where do you come from? Mm-hmm. And right away, the welcome is there from the, that's our values. That's our way. And that's our customs as Métis, as mm-hmm. Métis, you know, right away. Coming and eat, yeah. <laughs> You know, because we were not as much coffee people as we were tea. Ah, that's true. (laughs) Halfway. (laughs) So those are so so many things, Leah, that we can Mm -hmm. uh, continue talking about. But the language is so important and also the stories of our leaders, you know, and how we connected to the land, how we connected to medicines, how we connected to harvesting, how we connected to hunting and fishing and uh, our, our livelihood and our leaders in our communities, our elders, our mushrooms and kokums, and they all, everybody played a role. Regardless, the little one, you could rely mm-hmm. on that little one to go and bend down and pick something up from the floor because you couldn't. And they'd, they'd bring you things when you were out there doing some work. If you were butchering, they'd say, could you go and get that? And, uh-huh. and, oh, yes. And, and, and they were not reluctant because our custom is to help each other. Very true. seldom you see somebody lazy. And if they said, know. <laughs> they didn't <laughs> like that word, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You didn't like that word because you participated. Or a mama she's job wasn't a good job. <laughs> oh, mama she's mama wasn't sheesh. good. Oh, mama she's they, they, you know, he's not doing a good job or she isn't doing a good job. And But you know what? It was also caring for those individuals. That's true. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. to disgrace them. It was to say... Like my mom would say, nobody like you if you're lazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go someplace, people will talk badly about you. People are always looking at you when you're doing things. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that, that was another part of our learning and our teachings that be aware you know, yeah. whatever you do, people are going to watch and they'll know if you did a good job or not. They had tolerance for some, but their level of tolerance was, yeah. you know, and th- but they tell you, they scold That's you. That's right. You yes. Know? And open, direct. Um, you know, Norman, I am amaz- I'm so happy you talk about the hard work and that discipline. Our people are so disciplined. And I have a question. How did it feel recording all that vocabulary? Like, did you get, how did you get yourself through that? That's a lot of audio recording. What did you do to just say that? Those like 15,000 words or more, like, what What it, do you it, do to get? <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing, Leah. It's because it's never, ever been done before. And when our own language, we know what we're talking about. So here you're trying to tell listeners that are English speakers, and you try to define it. It's the hardest thing you could Mm. do. I know there was a young man that was doing sentences to try to help that 11,500-word dictionaries. But when you're thinking in English and you're you're trying to fit it into Mitchell, it's a hard thing to do. It's a really tough thing to do because the midship speaker knows what is right and what isn't right. And what really bothers me, there's some people out there today, there may be grade one or they're grade two in the English world, and now they're teaching the language. Well, you can't teach English when you're grade one or kindergarten. So somebody has to sanction those young people, and that's the speakers. We got to be very careful 
that we don't uh, ruin the balance of our language by just saying, oh, well, it sounds like it. No, that's not good enough. You got to follow protocols. That's right. You got to follow the customs and those teachings. They're all part of that language. When I say a few words in Michif, I'd have to say 10 in English. So when you're translating, sometimes you have to use so many words to describe. So it is a real tough job, and it's never, ever been done ever in the world. We're, what we're doing is we're making history. We are. We really are. And we made mm. a lot of history already. So people that are leading shouldn't lead if you don't know how to lead. That's all I'm saying. That, that's so true. That is so true. Norman, do you think we've banked enough of the language between Peter Bacher, our, our lovely grandmothers from Turtle Mountain? Do you think we've banked enough or can we bank enough to keep it from being endangered any further? We haven't banked enough. Ah, I thought yes. so. No, no, because the storybooks that we did, the dictionaries, they're kind of just there and okay. shelved. And they haven't been used directly as teachings. I understand. See, they have to be. It's fine to say we did 100 books. What did you do with those books? What's your measuring step to say if we did a good job or not? What are the outcomes? Because there's a lot of diversity within the Métis and our stories and our history. And if you're not, well, like myself, I speak seven languages. So That's right. I can yeah. fit in. Different. I've been adopted by the Dakota. Mm-hmm. I speak Cree and Soto and, of course, a lot of English, which was I never spoke when I was a child. And French I spoke at home because my dad was Michif that uh, spoke French. And our relatives from St. Laurent and St. Ambrose, especially St. Ambrose, Manitoba, they were like St. Lazar, Manitoba. They could speak French and Michif, some spoke Soto. And St. Eustache had those kind of people also. St. Laurent had the Soto people. They even made a language of their own to understand it was a, a Soto and French mix. Right, right. And Nelson Sanderson, my friend, when I talked to him, He'll talk to me in that language. Mm-hmm. So we built our own language, and we can't forget our our relatives that spoke Bungi language. I was hoping you would answer that. Yes. Because, I- see, they were Scottish, Irish, Cree, and Soto, mm-hmm. and they retained the English language more than the Michifs, where the Michifs are more of French extraction and Cree and Soto and Catholics. And on the other hand, there was the, the Anglicans and... Yes. They were what we call Protestant. So they were Métis, but they had their own distinction. They did. And that language was, yeah, yeah, like they had English, they had Gaelic, and Soto and Cree. So in Soto, they called it Bungi because Mm -hmm. Bungi in Soto means a little bit. So they call that the little bit (laughs) language. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Norman. (laughs) But Michifs, when they wanted to find out who these people were. It's always people that named us because we couldn't name ourselves. We were just a new people. So the French, when they first saw that little baby that was not First Nations and mm. what was not French, European, the French would say Métif. That's an old yeah. word in French it that is. means a mixture. And Métif. this is where we yeah. use that word Métif. That's where it comes from. And Métis was another word. And now they took that act, like now they anglicize it and say Métis, you know. Mm-hmm. And at one time, historically, it was, we were given names by the Creek, part burnt wood people, yellow under the arms by the white foreheads. And we were given different names, like mm-hmm. uh, they would say, uh, Oshpawashichu in Sioux means half white. And we were given names. People wanted to know what to call us. They also, when we traveled with our Red River carts, they gave us a name, the people of the carts also, you see. That's they right. They always tried to describe us. And then we call ourselves Michif, and these other people call themselves half-breeds, or some of them call themselves Aptawushan. Ha-ha. You know, some would say... And then Shinabem, and then the Shinabem, one Nishinabe, Nin, 
or they mm-hmm. they would use aptogusanin uh, dalishnabemon, you know, or aptogusania or nihiawan. So some would say, "Moi, je t'aime chef pour parler français." You see, and uh, my grandma would say, "Nia le me chef nia le me chef big swan." And she would say, "The Cree and the Kwastanan got big squares not long. We mix Cree with our language of the Francais." She would say. So mm-hmm. they always, so for somebody that would ask, and when I asked my grandmother, I said, "Tande uman not long kaus chipayek." I said, "Where did our language come from?" She said, "Taneke anamaga kakwechi me." And why do you ask me that? She said, "Mo kato yek pepe pepe pega kwechi me where when mat." La question and she said, nobody ever asked that question. Well, I said, I said, you know, some people speak different. And I said, where does it come from? So she said, well, and I won't tell you right away, and I'll think about it first, she said. And because the old people never chased you away, if they didn't have an answer, they would have an answer for you. They'd find one. So she said, "The mamate kape kiukan tomorrow morning kape meets on porridge kape meets, and you'll come and eat porridge." She said, "You know, kawitamatan." So I went next morning. Of course, I was really excited. My kookum is going to tell me something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she said, "Ape mitsho." And said, eat the porridge. Mm-hmm. It's still hot, the porridge. Everything had to be hot, you know. And it was That's true. Cold, <laughs> you know, cold weather. You had to blow on your food and your tea. Oh, yes. It's know? so And then it was relaxing. good. So I said, sit down. Like I let you how. She said, I made some bannock. So, and Bukhagika Kwechman, yeah. She said, what you asked me yesterday? She said, she said, it was God, you know. Manito. God made people. She said, overseas. There's people over there. The French speak French. Mm-hmm. The Germans speak German. Mm-hmm. The English speak. Where we live, she said, the premier nation, the first nations people. We still all the born Jew came here. Gave us hat. Tanches chip peak square chickens to tato chick. Gave them a language they can understand each other. She said the 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 the, the Sioux speak Sioux and the Cree speak Cree and that's and which is Nihiau Nihiauwe. What kind of Shnaben Shnaben? What Dakota? Dakota, we are you speak square, what she said. Now it was our turn. She said, just like when God made that circle of life, she said, we finished that hoop, she said, in life. Oh. We were the last creation, she said. So God gave us a language and gave us a, our stories, our history, and our nationality. She said, that's that's who we are, she oh, said. Geez, so, your grandmother, beautiful teachings, <laughs> beautiful yeah. teachings. So when I told that to Peter Bacher, oh, he said, Oh my goodness. I could, we could never, because he's the one that asked also, and he, he said, we could never ever think of that because my grandma said, it's, it's a spiritual language. It's the language of the land and connected to the creator. See, oh. everything is created uh, by the creator. The spirituality, that connection. So it's our language, language of the land. It's a spiritual language. It's a God-given language. She said. Oh. So, so that's everything was connected with Everything's connected with the spirits. And that's and why it, I think we're gonna, you know, Mitchiff will always be with us. And, you know, I yes. struggle. I struggle because, you know, I wasn't raised with it in day to day in the home. It was in the older generations. What advice would you give to us? Because I I love that you've done prayers in Mitchiff and but how can you encourage people like me who are were trying to learn it and what advice besides I, I think prayer is so important eh, to open up to the spirit of that language. Well, as an elder of the Métis Nation, mm-hmm. Saskatchewan, and 
an elder of wherever I go, because in our life, as we get from a child, as we move forward, you have those rites of passages and you connect with other people. They're the ones that will give you that blessing to be something. You don't make yourself anything. So if you surround yourself with those good people, the right people, that are open-minded and they have values and they have loyalty to their families and to their life, you will get to connect. And, and it's, a, it's like, again, spiritually, you're called to that. Never as a child did I ever think I'd be interviewed by Leah Dorian. And here it was yes. meant because <laughs> Leah, we work together. We do. You're interested in the language. Mm-hmm. You're promoting the language through your stories like other people have done. And we did one in uh, Louis Riel Institute with some kids. They were our main players. They never knew the language. We brought them together and they made history. So that's what we have to do. We have to, they weren't speakers, but mm-hmm. they became, yep. and they were interested. So our speakers need help. And we need help with, from people like yourself, from Gabriel Dumont, Louis Riel, Métis Nation, Saskatchewan, our Minister of Language and Culture, the education process, developing curriculum in schools, opening our own doors, our own institutions, working with two schools here like we're, we are in Saskatoon, uh, uh, okay. Westmount School and St. Michael's School, working with the Catholic school system, working with the public school system, and other schools in the north like Isle of Cross, they're mm-hmm. doing their own work. They've done a lot of work there through Vince Henneke for years and years. Right, They've been right. teaching that in the schools. The little kids are connecting. So what we have to do, especially here and a lot of other places, not just especially here, but there's kids that we're doing through the early learning process through Westmount School and other schools from North, Central, and South. But the kids here, we have to develop resources that they learn at school, but take it home to their parents, but their parents never, ever had a chance because you've got to build a capacity. And it's, it's developing curriculum, but most importantly, develop the language within the family. Because when I was a child, the family, Michif language had three, usage, uh, three usages. It was oral, first and foremost. I'm telling you oral stuff now. And we're still connected. We always will be connected orally because that's who we are mm-hmm. as people. So it was a family language. It was a ceremonial language. It was a trade language. And that's what our languages were. There's people across the homeland, but also going south in the Crow country, the Grovant country. When they came to, with us and other nations, they learned Michif because the Michif were the buffalo hunters. They, they were the ones. So when they joined us at night, when they were singing, they'd hear those Michif songs, the voyager songs, the fiddling. They danced together, so they incorporated that together. But they also heard the word like demain matin or wapake kamachi nan. Tomorrow morning we'll be hunting. So they would hear, oh, kaya shemak pask shigek, don't shoot right away. And they would say things like pehta, uh, you know, be careful. And then they had the laws of the hunt. Mm-hmm. They were very conscious of the laws of the hunt, same as the provisional laws that Louis Riel had, and uh, the the laws of Saint Louis, the laws of, uh, uh, of 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 the hunt. Those were all incorporated. They were adjusted to make sure that we had those laws. That we they were family laws. They were soldier laws. They were. Uh, survival laws, they were existing laws, they were laws of the land, they were laws of the spirit, they were laws of prayer, all those, we had all those laws, and you know, it's so sad in a lot of ways that we were not allowed to share, and Canada made use of, of the Métis, the Métis as interpreters, we were involved in, uh, in, in, in treaty negotiations with the commissioners, we were involved in so many things, 
But yet we were ignored. Our veterans, like we're going to be celebrating Louis Riel Day. Mm -hmm. We were totally ignored. And so many First Nations, Métis, went and they joined. Some of them didn't have to. But they went. So we've come a long ways, Leah. We have. And I'm very, very happy. And what we're doing here, whoever these people are, I say hello to those listeners. And I, and I honor all those listeners. And if they need help, we have to have a place for them to go to find that help. It's got to be consistent. It's like the kids at SunTEP, they'll go to school. I taught the first accredited Mitch, of course, at the university here, the College of Education. I taught the first ever accredited course in Brandon University. So we've come a long ways. Now the, the, the SunTEP students didn't have that chance to take a language. They took Cree, but they, they, there was no Mitch here for them. That's True. But now I know some of my students, they said, you know, Norman, how do we continue with our language? We have one chance and then it's, it's, it's done. So we have to have consistency. We have to be documenting everything. We have to continue. We have to have that foundation. We have to have our own schools. We have to work together with elders, with speakers. Without our elders and our speakers, we're lost. I, you know what, Norman, I think you just said the, the solutions, and I, I hope our listeners can uh, think about these beautiful advising teachings today. And Norman, we have so much work to do. We've got to live another 50 years to do more of it. <laughs> well, um, my, Norman, I, my mother passed away this year, 10 mm. years already, and she was 108. So, oh my so I was connected with culture and history and language and stories and music and her, their, her parents were born 1879, 1880. Oh, and their parents, my, gra- my mom's grandparents were at the Battle of the Grand And her relatives were part of the, in 1816, the Battle of Seven Oaks, La, la Bataille mm-hmm. de la Grenouillère, you know, La Plaine mm-hmm. de la Grenouillère. So those stories, mm-hmm. you see what I mean? We're no different what they have in schools, only that. They have people with PhDs that did researches and they did papers, but nobody's ever done our papers ourselves. That's what I mean by sanctioning. Somebody yes, has we- to give you that permission because otherwise you're going to go out there and tell these stories that are not connected. Do you remember, Norman, when we interviewed all those old grandmother Mitchiff elders and grandfathers? That was in, in Yorkton. Yorkton, in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people... They're gone, you know. Most I of those know. people are gone. I know. Or, or no, that was in 2000. It was late 19, yeah, early 2000. Uh, 99, 99 or 2000. Yeah. And I interviewed yeah. people there in the late Gilbert Peltier. Mm-hmm. He was one of the uh, MCs and with, uh, with Ed St. Pierre. And George right. Peltier came with me from Manitoba. And we met you people from Gabriel Dumont Institute. Mm-hmm. And Gilbert Pelch, said to me, you know, Norman, my mother would never, ever speak in public ever. But when she heard mm-hmm. the language, you were speaking the language, yep. she started to speak. She forgot <laughs> that she was shy. <laughs> and she, she did. And she I know. <laughs> and, 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 and she started to speak. And Mary St. Pierre, I interviewed, mm-hmm. I don't know, about 10, 15 people that time. And those stories, they're in Gabriel Dumont Institute uh, in, in their files. And so we have to share those stories with those people's mm-hmm. children and grandchildren, give them pride, say, oh, that's mushroom. That's your, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember her telling me that Mrs. St. Pierre, they didn't have any food because the dad was away working. So she took the shotgun with her sisters and they went to the lake. She said, oh, we caught some Basque Shigan with a shotgun, she said. Maka, Koyesan to Chiminan, Mitone, and Makona man, she said. Boga, Shoketa one. Kegat some Bakshin, she said. I just about fell back, she said. A tap yachnete, Lika Narkatashwek, to shake it all the lachnete. What geeks to meet Sonane, what she said. You see, those are. Very inspiring because our old people are telling. They it. did in their own way, in their own language. See, Kayash, we never had a word for uh-huh. elder. 
That's English. Exactly. We, That's true. Because we yeah. use a kitak in Cree or leave you or leave you more the old people. La vie, you know, leave you, leave you more. Kayash, we all go chichik. We walk skate them walk. The ones that know, that's what we that refer know. to elders. Yeah. Those are the knowledge yeah. keepers. That's how we say it in our language. Who will I ask? And go and ask that person if it's for dogs, horses, hunting, medicine. Everybody, there was knowledge keepers in the community. Everybody had a job in the community. And Norman, you've taken on a beautiful job. I am so <laughs> grateful to watch you grow in your, uh, in your, you know, these, in this journey, watching you become an elder and a nimoshum, a chapan. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, anyway. I've been around 54 years since I've been with the Métis movement. I was oh. a board of director. I was, mm-hmm. I started locals and I was chairman, what they call president. I've been, and we fundraise to keep our, our community alive. We used to have dances. We used mm-hmm. to have bingos. We'd have basket socials. Yeah, we used to raise funds. To, and that's how we started. There was nobody there to give you money. Even when we went to meetings, we had to travel there voluntarily. I remember going from St. Lazare to Dauphin with my cousin. His name was Fred Leclerc. He was the chairman of the local. And there was Robert Lepine. He was involved. He had a car. And I was with them going to <laughs> Dauphin. We changed three three flats on the way, you know. <laughs> and then we had to go to the farmer for some gas because we ran out of fuel. Because you just had those few pennies you rubbed together, you know. And you had to make those things grow just about and then we go to Dauphin we all slept in different rooms but with with friends relatives in a room you fill that room up we had a place and there was uh people there that were talking like Ferdinand Gibosh there was Angus Spence there was different people that were talking about we didn't realize well why are we together now you know because we were down underground for a hundred years now we had to learn we didn't know protocols of uh, robert's rules of order we did absolutely con- uh, constitution we didn't know anything of that just like uh, my good friend gerald morin said this old man at the end of the meeting he says constitution we He said, "What's constitution? Does it taste good?" <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We get a lot done with good meals, eh, Norman? Uh, Mitzo. Okay, merci. Merci. Thank you, Norman. Merci. Can I ask you something? Merci, Ndtoan, and koyeshumai ki nakskatu ya kape yachemoya today to talk about. Those people those that made this life for us, those that started. Not just Louis Riel, Gabriel Dumont. There was other people that were involved, like Mischet, without even naming them. A lot of those are my relatives, my families, like Patrice Fleury and John Fleury was a secretary of Riel and then you had the Bellimers who, from back home, that's their auntie to Margaret Bellimer, and that's my cousin through the Fleury's marriage. So we're all connected somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we travel all over the place, we find that connection to be related. That's the big mm-hmm. thing. Like a lot of people say, you know, the importance mm-hmm. of being related. And when I'm re- I feel I'm related to you, Leah, through our books through our oh, work are. and that's so important and somebody through the metif the metif because the dorians were called metifs in st louis missouri so, you know and so that's where Kista, that's where Kista, well, yeah. you come from you see from ayash and madam metifs we're connected yeah, we are but you know the most importantly is our people the land our language our self-determination that we're continuing with Louis Riel that he was doing and our government that we're putting together to legislate our language, to legislate all those important things as a people, as a, as a, as a nation.
That's what we have to work on. It's no use that divide and conquer never works. You got to be looking at things that are so flavorful for all of us. And the most important thing that I think about is our children and grandchildren. I got a little uh, a 20 month old little granddaughter. And you know, uh, she's so much willing to learn. You'll tell her something. I played when she was a little younger. I used to play the jig and square dance. And at, when I turned that on, now her ear comes. She looks at Papa, you know. And so mm -hmm. that's how you connect. It's like the early learning that we're doing through the Canadian Geographic. That's so important because Canada yes. will have that chance and opportunities given to them. To understand us, we're giving it to them. It's free, you know. And it's our time. It's our time. It's our time. You know. It's our time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's our turn now. It's to go in to lift all that up for ourselves. We're giving it like we're givers. We're not takers. We're always giving. We're sharing. So we're sharing the most important of who we are, our culture, our language, our history, our music, our stories, the books, and all these things that we've done through our institutions. But most, most importantly, we need land-based education. So when we go back to Batosh, that's where we go to Parks Canada. We go to the cemetery we dance together we sing together we feast together we tell stories together we listen to our music and all that stuff that's so important we're bringing that all together and we're showcasing and we have our own pavilions all across canada people showcase our artists everybody's telling stories and that's what we have to do so you know what we're never going to be lost leah I totally agree. We've come a long ways. The more and more we talk about it, we know that we have it together. And uh, we and we're sharing like you and I. So, Thank you, Norman. That's it for this episode of Picky UK. Come and visit a Métis Nation of Saskatchewan and Canadian Geographic podcast. Picky UK is produced by David McGuffin of Explore Podcast Productions. Our opening and closing theme music is by Métis Fiddler, Adam Daniel, and me, Leah Dorian. And if you enjoy this podcast, give us a five-star rating or write a review. Also, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and tell your friends about us on social media. I'm Leah Marie Dorian. Until next time, keep up the midden. See you later.